Well, welcome. I'm glad you all tuned in today. This is John Murtha coming to you with WNZN Radio, uh, Lorain, Ohio, or 89.1 FM Radio. Very, very happy you tuned in again this day. And uh, anyone that's having problem with reception, uh, you can just live stream us, which a lot of people do. Just go to www.wnzn.org. That's www.wnzn.org. So, David, another day, another yeah. special guest. We've yes. been having some really interesting guests, right? Both from America and from overseas, and I think our listeners are going to be really happy uh, with our very special guest today. His name is Paul Ogutu. He's from Nairobi, Kenya. He's a missionary trainer with a very interesting story. He's well traveled. Um, he's very influential in the kingdom work, and. Uh, Happy to have him. And I'm in the station once again with my good friend and assistant, David Aboot. David? Great, great to be here, John. Thank you. And Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you, David. Thank you, John, for the privilege. So, uh, Paul, I had the opportunity to meet you. You were a special speaker at a mission conference. Really were blessed by what you had to share. And I really feel our listeners are going to be blessed likewise. Would you start out and just kind of give a little bit overview of your life, and then maybe we're going to get into your testimony, how you came to receive Jesus Christ, and then about your vision. Uh, I want our listeners to really listen closely because you have a really interesting vision and work uh, for Africa, which I think is actually going to touch the world. But um, And then we're going to look at the fact that how the church is growing in Africa. It's really quite remarkable. So, Paul, why don't we just turn it over to you and uh, just share and feel free to share your story and we'll go into your testimony. Yeah, my name is, uh, like John has uh, mentioned already, uh, Paul Joshua Ogutu. Uh, I'm married to Sabine Ogutu and we have three kids. Uh, they're delighted to have. We're located right here in Nairobi, Kenya at the moment. And like as John has mentioned before, God has led us in different places. So at some point we've lived in Europe and we've lived in the U.S. as well. And God has brought us back to Africa with a special work, a uh, special calling and assignment that should be able to help the continent uh, rise up to the call that uh, God has given and the mandate that God has given for the Great Commission. And that way, in, in a sense, it will be work that will be able to touch the entire world. So that's, that's a little bit of us here, uh, and yeah, we'll be happy to share a little bit more as, as we continue on the conversation, John. Okay, Paul, can you tell us uh, where, where you grew up, how you grew up, a little about your family, uh, maybe about your spiritual foundation as a child and as a young man growing up? Yes, well, I, I was born uh, in Nairobi and uh, lived m much of my life, actually, half of my life in, in Nairobi. Uh, Nairobi is uh, the capital city of Kenya, so I was born in, in a you know, city, grew up as a city guy. Uh, city life is what mostly I've known for half of my life. I uh, come from a Christian family. My mom is a strong believer. Uh, my dad passed on around 2003, uh, but he as well was uh, equally a very devout man, went to church and helped us. And that kind of Christian heritage is what I grew up with. Uh, but I personally came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior 
at around the age of 12 at an open air uh, evangelistic uh, crusade, if you may. Those who are very popular in those early years uh, of our time in, in Kenya. And it is through that that uh, the Lord brought me to a personal knowledge of him. And then from that point on, um, never had really the opportunity to get one-on-one -on -one discipleship, but God was faithful and continued to help me to grow. And as I finished my high school, uh, had particularly just uh, focused on, on entering into the banking industry. Uh, and I did my, my initial qualification as a banker. And it is at that crucial point of, of waiting to enter into the industry that God took a hold of my life. Uh, and called me into full-time ministry. And those initial years, I began to serve with Campus Crusade for Christ uh, in Nairobi. The affiliate ministry for Campus Crusade for Christ is called Life Ministry. And we engaged, I was trained into evangelism and discipleship, and we engaged with that. And uh, immediately after being trained, I was invited to now join the trainers and become a trainer myself. And God began using that uh, initial part, John, uh, Dave, just in allowing us to be able to share the gospel, uh, going from church to church, bringing people together, training them on how to share the gospel, and then accompanying them as they went out to share the gospel. And as this continued, uh, it became quite clear, apparent to many, that the gifting that God had given me was with regard to teaching. And so there was a need for me to be able to acquire more tools of, to be able to really flourish in, in that aspect of teaching. And so began looking at where God can I be further equipped, uh, given the necessary tools to help me, you know, continue working for the kingdom using the gift that he had given me of teaching. And God, uh, miraculously and mysteriously, uh, in a sense, opened the door towards Hungary. And so I left Kenya for my initial uh, biblical training and uh, stayed in Hungary for about three years. And then God took me out of there and opened the door, and I ended up in the U.S. And that's where I did most of my theological training. Part of that was in down south. I began in Tennessee uh, and then finished up uh, uh, with my master's in divinity at uh, Columbia, South Carolina, attending Columbia International University. And leading out of that, then God led us back to Europe and we became involved with World Evangelization for Christ International, that is WEC International, at their training center in Europe. And the key there is just being able to train the next generation of missionaries uh, who God was calling and was going to send out. And we did that for the last, you know, 10 years. We spent, John, in in, uh, in Netherlands and worked um, in, in terms of training missionaries. And towards uh, the close of about eight years or so, uh, God put it in our hearts very clearly that he was calling us out of Cornerstone and to a similar work, but then the location would no longer be in Europe, 
we were being called back to Africa. So the task and the mandate that God was giving us was to come back to Africa to be able to set up a missionary training center wow. uh, or program. So, Paul, um, for our listeners, Cornerstone in Europe is actually a tra- it's it's Bible, but it's really a missionary training center. Is that correct? Yes, yeah. it is a missionary training center that is uh, biblically based right. and practical. So in a sense, it offers biblical studies uh, that are helping to lay the foundation, the right foundation for the missionary training. Uh, but in essence, it's mostly uh, targeting trained missionaries who are going to work cross-culturally uh, from a biblical standpoint. Okay, so you're going to use that model now in Nairobi, true? What we hope to do is to have a similar uh, program because we see the benefit of being able to ground the missionaries, not just from a cross-cultural perspective, not just from a missiological perspective, but that the missiological aspects and the cross-cultural aspects should be biblically based and theologically sound. So we'll pretty much have a similar paradigm, although ours is to be able to contextualize that program for the African people. Okay, so in terms of contextualizing, which means making the Bible appropriate in a given culture, what would you say is unique, let's say, with Africa than you might have experienced in America in terms of Bible and being theologically sound in the presentation? I think particularly, it's not so much the interpretation. The interpretation will remain uh, relevant for any culture. The methodology by which you approach the interpretation should be sound for any given culture. I think where it becomes different is in terms of perhaps the application and and then the illustration uh, and then the presentation of it. Perhaps in African culture, you know, people are, are more accustomed to um, a bit of a story. Uh, and so to have just a linear way of presenting the Bible may not be necessarily uh, conducive for yeah. the African people who might be more familiar with a secular uh, presentation. So there are differences, and those differences is what we want to be able to hone into and to be able to produce a program that will be really fitting for the African pastor. Well, I see. And you, you are developing that now, or you're, you've been in that process? Where, where, how does that go, Paul? Well, this is a fresh work, John, um, that it's as, as new as January. We moved here from Europe at the beginning of this year in January, myself and, and my wife and kids. Um, and uh, so it's, it's very much at the ground level, groundwork level. Um, and so we've just begun to try and get an understanding, a wider understanding of first and foremost, how is mission perceived in Africa? And secondly, how has the church responded to its mandate so far? Does the church really see itself as a primary uh, no participant in the Great Commission. Have they been carrying that responsibility? Besides that, we've been trying to analyze and understand uh, what 
form of training is there available, and especially for cross-cultural mission training. Uh -huh. And then, up to that, we've tried to understand um, what kind of a worker needs to emerge from a cross-cultural mission training program that would be truly African in its program and in its initiative, in its philosophy, but the kind of worker that needs to emerge. And in, in terms of the kind of worker, John, we are looking at what should they be knowing and understanding? What should they be able to do practically in terms of skills? And then thirdly, what should they be like? Uh, the goal is to be able to produce workers who are Christ-like. Uh, and therefore, their spiritual formation is just as equally as important to what they are given from a cognitive knowledge perspective and is equally important to what they gain in terms of skills that they can use in the mission. Oh, I so see. Those aspects of trying to understand, first and foremost, what are we dealing with, helps us to know then how do we now engage with this work and how do we now develop a curriculum that will be suitable for the African people. So we're very much in the ground research work at this point. So, so uh, Paul, uh, it's Dave. So do you have a profile of the kind of candidates you're looking for? How do you screen uh, to find these workers that are Christ-like? Do you have a history on them? Is there former relationships where you know how they've been, uh, you know, in the community? Uh, how do you screen for this? Do you take anybody okay. in or do you screen first and then bring them into the, into the curriculum? Well, there's, there's uh, different ways by which you can approach it. The approach we have decided to take, and this is what I was, I was trying to elaborate a little bit more on, is we've decided that for this particular program, it's best to have an out, outcome-based program. That means you're starting with the work in mind. And therefore, to get a clear profile, a clear picture of the worker, we have to go back to those people who are stakeholders, if you may, mm -hmm. Dave. Okay. Uh, and those are your mission leaders. Uh, those are your ministry leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, those are people who are engaged right now in, in mission. Got it. And what we yeah. have done is that we have developed a survey that has been put online and has been distributed to these leaders. Uh, and then they are supposed to kind of inform us based on this survey uh, what kind of worker needs to emerge from the program. Mm -hmm. And so we've just begun receiving back some of those feedback. It's very exciting to see what is coming back. Uh, and through that, it will help us to now develop a curriculum that is fitting. And then besides that, when it comes to the point when we have to now begin recruiting and then begin to, you know, uh, registering the students and admitting them into the program, uh, there will be several levels that we have to look at uh, in terms of, you know, their Christian background, in terms of their calling, uh, in, in, in terms of, you know, uh, where are they academically? Can they cope with the program or not? So there, there will be several, you know, tools that we, we use at that particular point. At this early stage is just to develop a clear profile, a clear picture of what the worker needs to look like. Paul, um, what is the um, length of time for this training, would you say? 
At this point, uh, John, we're looking at uh, possibly two years in residential training. And uh, the two years perhaps can be split into one year uh, as a certificate level and a second year uh, perhaps at a diploma level. The reason why we, we spread it out to two years is it seems uh, from what is out there and out of experience, uh, two years gives you about sufficient time for the, for the individual not only to engage with the program, but because it's a cross-cultural training, uh, they will be in a residential setting in which they can really interact with people from a different culture and they can begin to be shaped and mold it uh, and learn some of these valuable uh, skills of how to cope in a different culture just on the basis of living with people from a different culture than yours. And so that, that's about the time kind of that we think would be sufficient to help not only to inform them, but to develop certain skills but also to grow them spiritually and to allow them to acquire a particular spiritual character that should help them in the mission field, just on the basis of how the program is set up. So wow. will, will these be mostly African or will they be more international? What do you foresee? What's your vision for that, Paul? At this point, um, let me share something a little bit about WEC uh, and some of the schools that they have. WEC already has about five different schools uh, globally. There's one that is situated in Europe that I've talked about where we work. There's one, two that are situated in Oceanic, Pacific Oceanic area, so in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, we have one in Brazil and then one in Mexico. Uh, there's something that is being worked out for Asia, and now God is clearly calling us to one that is to be set up for Africa. So because, because of that, we perceive that the majority of the of the workers that will come through the program need to be African. I see. Uh, and that doesn't exclude people from different cultures or people from different countries or different ethnicities other than Africa. But just because of where it is situated and just because of the need uh, that is presently in the continent, we are targeting mostly African workers to raise up a new generation of missionaries. Africa, for the most part, John, has been the receiver. But God is doing something new. There, there's, there's tremendous work that is going on and a change in trend by which we perceive that the receiver may end up being the sender. And so if the sender is to emerge, uh, where are the workers and how well will they be trained? so that they become really the ones who carry the gospel to the unreached in this world. So We perceive that majority of them will be from Africa. So, so we, are, we are targeting to prepare Africa. Okay. Uh, speaking of Africa, can you give our listeners uh, kind of an overview of what is going on in Africa spiritually? Because we hear there's, you know, sub-Sahara Africa. There's supposed to be this tremendous growth of the church and believers yeah. and, and yeah. an amazing amount are coming to Christ. But I'm just, you're there, you're African, you know what's going on. Maybe you can give us an overview and then we're going to go back and talk more about your training center. Uh, I think just as an overview, what I would say is we have freshly come from uh, 
the global north, if you may. We came from Europe. And uh, when we landed into, into the soils of, of the continent of Africa, our initial introduction in, into just the setting of Africa was something that blew our minds away. You know, just the level of spirituality, uh, even in the atmosphere, was something just unique. Uh, people still, to some degree, have a fear of God hmm. in Africa. Hmm. That, that is hard to say for some of the Western mm-hmm. societies right. at this point in time. Interesting. Uh, besides that, uh, you find that uh, even, for example, I can speak mostly for Kenya, uh, there's been a lot of growth that has happened. Uh, between the 20 years that I've been out of this, this nation, uh, a lot of theological schools have emerged. Hmm. Schools that are targeting to train pastors, to train lay people, uh, to enable them to be able to serve and serve adequately with their gifting. And so you find that uh, there's, there's a renewed emphasis of preaching that is expository uh, from the pulpit. That is something that's just breath-freshing uh, when you when you see that you can attend a, a worship service and you know you you know that you'll be fed and the people will be fed publicly, and so you find stuff like that. There, there's besides that there is also research indicating that the Church of Africa is growing mm-hmm. tremendously. Yeah, to the degree that uh, those who are doing research tell us that by by the year 2000, 20. 10 out of the 20 largest churches were in Africa. Wow. Is that right? You can see, yes, at least from those who have documented this, 10 out of the 20 largest churches were in Africa. So there is work that is going on, and there is a move of God in Africa. Yeah. And we continue to pray that, you know, that move will continue. But that's just kind of like an overview uh, of, of what we see happening. Okay. So, 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 Paul, a couple things. You know, I, I have a stat here that says at the beginning of the 20th century, there was about 9 million Christians. And at the end, uh, that by the end of the 20th century, there'll be close to 400 million. Um, and that the yeah. church structure cannot cope with, with this kind of growth. What, what do you contribute to this explosion in Africa of Christianity? David, I, I wouldn't know how to, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. pinpoint that exactly. What, what has brought this growth, uh, per se? Sure. I would think the spirit of, of God just moving in this place. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and to some degree, uh, again, like I said, there's a sense in which you can notice a huge difference between Christianity and how Christianity has impacted society and even the continent. When you look at Europe at this point in time, and when you look at Africa at this point in time. Explain that Uh, difference. I think our listeners would like to hear that because you come from a very unique position, Paul, having grown up in Kenya and then living in Europe, living in America, you you have a really interesting kind of perspective I would like you to hear. Uh, first with Europe and then America and, and uh, that contrast with Africa. I think, I think what I can, I can 
possibly say in this short period of time, and this is just my particular observation, is that uh, indeed you could say Christianity emerged from Europe uh, and, and the influence of Christianity came from there. Missionaries were sent from, from the global north to the global south. Okay? And at that point, uh, the, the aspects of faith uh, that people believed in were at a high level. And to some degree, uh, Europe has lost that heritage right. of faith. Uh, people have stopped uh, believing in God, perhaps attributed to you know the wealth and the success in life, and therefore they see no need for God. But yeah. what that has done is it's translated down into generations. And the current youth generation of Europe, and I'm speaking of this not in a, in a sense of uh, you know, saying that the entire Europe, but in a general sense, uh, the young people no longer have any contact with Christianity and faith because their parents, uh, who are the generation above them, lost that contact. And the only generation that is still holding on to faith to some degree is, is the old generation. Okay. And that generation is quickly passing on. And so what are you left with? You're left with people who no longer believe in God and no longer exercise any aspect of faith mm -hmm. in Christianity, right? And then the, it's a society that has been opened up to a lot of other cultures and, and a lot of other belief systems, and they've clearly embraced that. And so you find... In honesty, Christianity and truth has been kicked out of society in mm. Europe. In Europe. When I exactly at this point, when I when I look at that in contrast to Africa, and that's what I was saying, there's to some degree people still have a reverence for mm. God. Interesting. Here. Mm -hmm. All right. There's still a sense in which people uh even if I go out in the street and I want to share the gospel with someone, okay, uh, most of the times I will not be shut out. Immediately I share about God. Somebody oh. will be willing and, and still able to listen, even though maybe at the end they will not give their life to Christ. But that sense of just, oh, okay, uh, I'm, I'm open to what you may have to say. Uh, it's about God. Yeah, I believe in God, but, you know. So that's a huge difference as compared to when I was in Europe and I tried to share with somebody of the age 10 years, perhaps even 12, when we went out on, on uh, street evangelism. It yeah. is a sad thing to see a 10-year-old tell you, I don't believe in God yeah. and yeah. I don't believe in anything. Yeah. And that was not just a one-off incident. That was, you know, kind of the norm. I particularly, while I was in, in Europe, was coaching at a football club very close to where the, the particular school we were working with was located. And I experienced that firsthand. It's just the generation where young people right now have no inclination, none at all, about God and about Christianity, about faith or spirituality of any nature. Wow. Okay? 
So it's almost like a dead, uh, growing dead uh, continent. Boy. Now, so when you one of the exciting one of one of the stunning realities, and this is also a research that has been documented by people such as Patrick Johnston of uh, WEC. Uh, they say that uh, you know the trajectory is showing that by the by, by the year 2050, Europe will be the neediest continent gospel wise. Wow. Well, that's a sad reality. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That's a sad reality. So that's why I'm saying there's there's a particular difference here. Uh, and that difference is is felt when you when you kind of can cross from one continent into another, you will feel it. You feel uh, it. yes, but you will also experience it. And it's not to say that there are no Christians in Europe at this point. It's not to say that they're not practicing Christians, but I think just in terms of the numbers uh, of active, vibrant Christian believers in Europe compared to those who are non-believing is quite huge. What about America? That cannot, that cannot be said of Europe. I do not know where America is at this point. I, I feel like they're, not, they're on a slippery, slippery slope uh -huh. uh, to some degree. Uh, and this is just my own observation. Uh, when I look at uh, where America has come from and where it is at the moment and some of the issues that uh, the, the whole nation is wrestling with, they're mothers of truth. And therefore, it kind of indicates to me that to some degree, truth has been also kicked out of the public places in America. And that is the beginning of a fall of a demise uh, to some degree. So where they are in that gauge, for me, it's very difficult to say, but it's, it's clearly showing that, you know, something is happening there that of a, of a downward spiral rather than of an upward spiral. David, do you have a question? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks, Paul. You, you know, that, that that's really an interesting topic for me because uh, I've been in groups that have been, you know, talking about our leadership, our government uh, in the U.S., and what has been happening to uh, Christians just in terms of, you know, the younger, the youth, as you said, uh, not being churched. And um, yeah. I'm not really sure what contributes to that. You know, I think you touched on a few things. I'm sure it has to do with some technology and, uh, you know, uh, some worldly uh, focus versus spiritual yeah. focus. Um, well, what, you know, what do you, what can we do about it? Well, what, I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, uh, what, what can Christians, what, what should Christians be doing to help bring people back to the Lord and to have the youth understand the importance of being centered on Christ? Uh, very good question, Dave. Um, I think John, part of some of this, we, I may have, preached on during the conference, uh -huh. I think just going back, going back to the basics is, is a very important thing, uh, whereby we are going back to championing the truth and being willing to stand for the truth, regardless of the cost. Yeah. Uh, if we don't, we will be compromising. And when we compromise, we will lose our youth. 
which is the next generation. Right, right. And so finding that God begins to raise up a new generation, a new move of the Spirit, in which churches will be willing to, you know, uh, really champion the truth. You know, uh, Paul, compromise. you, you yeah. mentioned in Africa the expository preaching that was yeah. uh, very uh, um, in vogue and very much uh, wanted and needed for teaching. Can you explain to our listeners uh, and describe that? What expository, expository teaching is? Yes, explain that because I, we know, but I'm, I'm, maybe many of our listeners don't know. By, by expository preaching, we simply mean preaching that is biblically based, mm. whereby you know the entire message from its points, uh, whatever points it may have, are coming from that particular text that is being exegeted or it's being exposed, it's being expounded uh, right, by the person, rather than having a situation whereby the message is yes, from the pulpit, but has got nothing to do with the Bible. And the points really do not reflect the text from which the message is supposed to be coming from. I see. Mm -hmm. So there's a big difference when, when you approach a preaching from a perspective that, uh, you know, you're biblically faithful to the text and uh, relevant, yes, to the audience. But the amount of, you know, preaching and the, the, the points by which you're preaching from, what you're saying that this is what the Bible says, ought to be that exactly what the Bible says. And the, the individual who is following you as, a, as an audience should be able to be pointed directly to the scripture to be told, this is exactly what this particular text is dealing with. And this is what it means. And then this is how to apply it for my life in any given situation. Right. And so expository preaching is, is slightly different from you know other forms of, of preaching. But it is the preaching that allows you to remain biblically faithful to the text, the Word of God, and to preach the truth that comes from the Word of God without imposing your own particular you know agenda on the on the Word of God. Right. right, but rather allowing the word of God to speak for mm -hmm. itself with regard to the particular topic, regarding to the particular subject that you may be dealing with at that particular point. I see. That's for me the understanding that I have for expository preaching. And you'll be training that in your in the training center. Part of that, what we will hope to do is to help our our workers to be able to not just appreciate expository preaching, but be able to learn how to preach expository. Got it. Paul, I have two questions. One is, uh, what were some of your biggest challenges during the past year, and what were some of your biggest victories from this past year? Uh, part of the biggest challenges from this past year, well, the past year was much of uh, COVID. Uh, you know, very much COVID had uh, caused a havoc worldwide. Um, and so some of the challenges were trying to, you know, discern, God, how do we go about 
moving in the direction where you want us to move because we were as a family this past year we were in a transition mode right right and so we were leaving europe and we were coming towards africa right and, and so some of those challenges were as a result of that just uh, how do we do this as a family how do we do this in this heat of, uh, of a covid season and part of the victories were God, you know, paving up a way where there seems to be no way and allowing us mm. to be able to come as a family and caring for us in that moment and in, in that heat of, of COVID season. Uh, besides that, I think uh, the task that God has called us to is a, is a huge task. And we want to be able to do it with the African church. Uh, in partnership with the African Church. We believe strongly, Dave, that, you know, the mandate for the Great Commission is the work of the Church. And so ours is just to come alongside the Church to be able to carry that on. But again, uh, you know, some of the challenges is to be able to know, okay, how is this going to work, God? How are mm-hmm. we going to be able to bring on board the Church? Mm-hmm. Uh, in Africa, and where is the church in Africa? All right, are, are they even sensing the need for, you know, their responsibility for the for the mission? And yeah. uh, answers to that in terms of just how God has helped us, uh, this vision has been able to be embraced by by the leaders of our mission organization, which initially wasn't. But God turned that around, and they, they were able to embrace it, and so we, we came. Uh, we began to connect with some of the church leaders, and there's excitement here, uh, even as we begin to share a little bit about what this vision is and what, what we feel the need is and how we are equipped by God to be able to you know, address that need. That's been part of the initial victories that we're beginning to see is that God is connecting us with people who we had no clue when we were coming that even existed and yet they're influential people that is a move of God right a challenge but answer to those challenges yes just God cheering us I'm ahead of the game right you know <laughs> right yeah it's, it's not that he, he's just starting right now this is something that he's been working on uh and we are just you know walking in those paths where he's, he's really there's still some existing challenges that we're still you know trusting god to see happen for example the work that we want to do is for the entire continent now africa is huge if you right. compare with, yeah. with well, what, what's the population? Right? What's the total population in Africa? I don't know. Okay. I would have to look that up. Right? Okay. But uh, just to think, okay, where do we place this program? Which country? Which location? That's still something that we, we are trusting God to give us clarity with that. So it, it, it's a seemingly challenge, uh, but it's something that we know just by looking at so far from uh, coming to Africa, some of the things that God has helped us to see that is taking place, we can confidently trust in that when the time comes, uh, even that particular aspect will, will be made known. So I, I looked it up, Paul. It's it's over 1.2 billion is the total population yeah. in Africa. Um, so yeah. 
boy, there's tons of growth opportunity. You know, for the unbelievers that are listening right now, um, how did God lead you to become a missionary? It's not that everyone is set up to be a missionary, but what what insights can you give the unbeliever listening today about why you chose to follow Christ and the benefits of doing so? Uh, let me say this towards unbelievers. Why I chose to follow Christ and the benefits of so. I think it's important for every individual to understand that there is a reason why they have been created. If they can acknowledge that they have been created by a sovereign being, and in this case, God, then there's a reason why God has created them. And so the, one of the central questions is to begin to ask, oh God, why have you created me? Why am I in this place? Ephesians 2.10 tells us this, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do in Christ Jesus. Now, if you begin to think about that particular text, Dave, yeah. Uh, it should help you to understand that, okay, God has created me for something, and if he's created me for something, am I really following that? Right. Am I really fulfilling that? And in what degree am I fulfilling it? And so for me, part of being a missionary and part of responding to God's calling was something that God, by his sovereign grace, drew me towards. It's not something that I drew myself to. God is the one who drew me towards himself and giving a clear calling towards himself. And God has begun helping me understand, by the way, Paul, you know, I've created you for this particular reason and for this particular season. And the more I press on to that, Dave, uh, the more my life takes meaning yes. and purpose. And uh, the more I know why I'm here, and the more I'm fulfilled, to be honest. Right. I am. Uh, regardless <laughs> right. you know, of, of, yeah. of whatever I may, I may possess or not possess. Uh, for me, you know, fulfillment and joy doesn't necessarily uh, relate closely with how big your bank account is. Right? Yes. Fulfillment of joy for me comes from knowing who you are and why you're here and pursuing that. And the more you pursue that, uh, I believe, the more your life begins to be filled with purpose and meaning and fulfillment and joy. Paul, uh, how can they become a missionary? Mm. Well, it starts with a simple uh you know acknowledgement of knowing that i'm a sinner and i need to respond to god who has given his son to die on behalf of my sin so that he may draw me into a right relationship with him and as i enter into that right relationship with him there's a sense in which god guides us towards what is my purpose and what is he created me for. So 
So I would say it begins with, with first and foremost, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and entering into a right relationship with God. And as you enter into a right relationship with God and being plugged into a community, an environment where you can be helped to begin to grow in that, God will guide your steps towards what he wants to do with you and what he wants you to accomplish for his glory. Paul, on that note, um, how could people get a hold of you if they wanted a more, more information or want to know if you're going to be in the States to speak, conference? What, what might be your best way to contact you? Uh, particularly through email. Okay. And my email is ogutupj at yahoo.com. So it's O-G-U-T-U-P-J at yahoo.com. All right, we'll, we'll give that again before we close the show. Um, but I'm yep. thinking, and they can also get the tape. I mean, they can get the uh, uh, archive show, and there'll right. be information on yeah. that, too. Did you have a question? No. Is, do you have a website or any way that people can kind of see what you're doing? And if they wanted to make any donations, they just connect with you via that email? Is that the best approach? Uh, at this point, we are... Very much, like I said, the work is a pioneer okay. work, and so we are very much at the very ground level. We okay. don't have a, a website yet running. Sure. But because we are part of WEC International, WEC, World Evangelization for Christ International, which has a, a, a branch in the U.S., they could easily go to the WEC in U.S. branch, and uh, if they wanted to support the work that is going on here, designate it to Paul Ogutu or to Ogutu family in Africa. And the people at WEC US will know what to do. Yes. And so there, there's opportunities there if somebody felt that God is leading them uh, to partner with us in this work by giving. Uh, they're welcome to do so through our organization branch in the US. But there are many ways. If somebody can partner with us in praying, that's also possible. If you can partner with us in encouraging people, that's also possible. If you want to visit uh, yeah. Africa and you want to visit Kenya, you're very much welcome. Get in touch with us. We would love to be able to, you know, uh, orient you to what God is doing here. So great. I just want to repeat that. If anybody wanted more information or wanted to make a donation that you go to the website WEC, W-E-C, USA, WEC, USA, and they'll have all the information there and even phone number to the finance department. But they, you just tell them Paul's name and the they'll know how to uh, get the funds there to Paul. We've done that before with yeah. people. Have, uh, well, that, that's great, Paul. Um, you know, I'm coming back to this whole issue of uh, the fresh vision for Africa and that in all honesty, Africa could become the missionary sending country uh, of the future, whereas Europe and uh, the West and all were in the past, let's say, century or two centuries. So I think your vision is extremely exciting and how you're equipping there. And so Nairobi, as I understand it, is the capital of Kenya with what approximately, it's a very big city. What is it, four and a half million people? Yes. At this point. And a lot of good churches, too. I mean, growing churches. Yes. Yeah, that's great. A lot of growing churches. 
Yep. So what, 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 how do you reach those that aren't believers in your region? I mean, I'm assuming there's might be a Muslim or animist or people that are in, de, steeped in superstition. Can you comment on that just a little bit? We don't have much longer, but I just want to touch on some different belief systems. Uh, some of the exciting work that is going on is just to see how God already is, is raising up the church in Africa to be able to participate in outreaches. And so a lot of the churches that you will see even in the area where we are, uh, do do you know like short-term uh, evangelistic outreaches, right? Where they send people to be able to go share the gospel with those people who are from a, perhaps a different faith or have never heard the gospel before. Um, and so that is one aspect. Another aspect is just by individual one-on-one. Uh-huh. Um, another aspect is where the churches themselves plant churches. And so they send their own people to be able to plant churches among those people who do not have the gospel. Uh, I think they've, you know, again, with, with sharing the gospel with some of this out of faith, uh, it, it, it does take a little bit of training. Uh, and it, it does take the leading of the Holy Spirit to be able to do it. And so part of the initiative, such as the one I'm telling you that I worked with, uh, there are organizations that are, their central focus is just to be able to train people on how they can be able to share the gospel to people who are of a different faith uh-huh. uh, without ne- necessarily bringing in confrontation. But it's, it's simply finding ways by which you can open the door so that the individual is willing to consider uh, truth. Uh, and as they do so, you trust the Holy Spirit to work lead them towards the faith. So there are several ways by which uh, people are engaging with, with people of a different culture and in, in being able to bring the gospel to them. Um, besides those clear methods and strategies, uh, there's also just a sense in which uh, people are showing the love of Christ by living out their Christian faith towards this people who do not know Christ yet. Right. And uh, th- those are living testimonies of how people are being worn to, to the faith. Uh, I have a story of a, a friend, a uh, personal friend, um, his son, you know, he the child grew up in a, in a Christian home. And for some reason, as he became more of an adult, he chose to, to, to become a Muslim and actively was practicing the Muslim faith. Uh, and it wasn't until, you know, an incident happened in his life that he really came to realize and his eyes were open to the truth. And the young man turned his life around and came back into Christianity and held Christ really strongly. Uh-huh. Um, and those are some of the examples where you see by, of, of course, the Muslims are very active at this point. Uh, even in places such as Africa. Uh, but still, the Spirit of God is at work, and God is using different ways, unconventional methods, by which people are coming to, to, to know faith and, and would be worn back to Christianity. So I would say, John, that there are different ways. Excellent, that Paul. God is using at this point. Yeah. Well, uh, we, we're going to be closing just in a couple of minutes, but I want to thank you again, Paul.
Um, we just really appreciate you at the mission conference and the truth you shared and your your way you to deliver the message and uh, and your heart for um, Africa, but like really the world in uh, 2 Timothy 2.2 about the same things thou hast seen and heard of me, teach thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also as you go forward. And so, David, uh, it was great having Paul. Yeah, Maybe Paul. we're going to, we'd yes, like Paul. to stay in touch, Paul, so as your training center gets growing, we can have an update. How does that sound? Very good, David. Give us information. David and John, thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to be in this show and uh, to be able to just share a little bit about what God is doing in Africa. It's exciting. Oh, and we, we trust that God will continue to work. And for those who are able to you know, partner with us, we desire that you partner with us in whatever way God leads you. Uh, but we are so grateful. Grateful to you, John. Grateful to you, David, for this opportunity. Thank would, you, Paul. Looking forward to connect more. Would you please give your information again before we close out the show, Paul? Yes. Uh, if you want to be able to contact Paul uh, in any way, if you want to contact me directly, you can do so through email. My emails are ogutupj at yahoo.com. And if you feel led by God to be able to give towards the work that God is doing in in uh, Africa at this point and the specific work that God has called us to, you can do that through WEC uh, US. And uh, if you just Google WEC US, WEC International US, the website will come up and you can connect with them. You can even call them directly uh, and you can be able to, you know, designate whatever it is that you want to do uh, or call good to family they they already have our contact information so far that's the way we can connect john excellent well god bless you paul yes paul it's good to be talking god to you again you, john. and god willing we'll be yes. talking to you in the near future thank you very much god thanks so you. much paul god have bless you care. brother god bless all right thank you bye bye bye, -bye.